You're listening to the DNB Supply Show podcast, your number one resource for living the country lifestyle. This is your host, Matt Breckwald, coming to you from my place in the country to yours. Well, welcome back to the DNB Supply Show, everybody. So happy to be here with you today. And, you know, we're calling this our pre Thanksgiving episode and I was trying to figure out what we wanted to do. We wanted to kind of book in the Thanksgiving holiday with a couple different things related to Thanksgiving. So next Saturday, just a couple days after Thanksgiving, we're featuring an author from Wisconsin named Jerry Apps, who writes about old-time farming. I'm really excited for you to hear that episode and to hear what it was like to grow up on a farmstead in his childhood in the 1930s, 1940s, and what Thanksgiving was like. Today, we're doing something that is practical application for all of you during the entire holiday season and, of course, including the Thanksgiving holiday. Holiday, and that is fire safety. The fire departments around the nation and around our states and our, our counties, they see spikes in fire calls this time of year. And there's a number of reasons that contribute to that. But a lot of that has to do with decorations for Christmas, for Thanksgiving, as well as all the extra cooking we do and everything we're doing to try and prepare these meals and have these celebrations at home with our family. So we have a guest coming on today from the Boise City Fire Department who's going to talk about what we see and what to look out for when it comes to fire safety at this time of year. And also practical tips and things you can do to keep your family safe to make sure that you don't have a holiday season that has some sort of event that you'll never forget about, which I had when I was a kid in 1979. You'll hear about that in the episode. But anyway, we'll have him on and hopefully we help everybody out and you have a wonderfully happy and very safe holiday season. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. And we'll get into that interview here right now. Joining me now is Romeo Gervais, and he is Deputy Chief Fire Marshal with the Boise City Fire Department. Thank you so much for coming on today, Romeo. Yeah, great to be here, Matt. You know, this is a a time of year where it's such a wonderful time of year, Thanksgiving, Christmas, the holiday season, but it seems to be fraught with issues when it comes to fire safety and things like that, and really, really happy to have you on to to talk about it and and to jump in and, and help people out, just be more aware of the type of things that can happen during this season when it comes to fire safety. So I know you're the expert. I'm going to leave it mostly up to you, but I I wanted to start off by just asking you, what are some of the top causes of fire issues during the holiday season? Yeah, I would say that the three biggest ones that, you know, we would talk about would be cooking heating and then we do see a lot a lot of candle fires december is the peak month for home candle fires that we run into so those are the the three big ones that we deal with just a quick story for you and, and a reason i thought of doing this episode christmas eve 1979 my mom left a candle burning on our coffee table in our house and she woke up at about uh, about five in the morning and smelled like a toxic, like something was really irritating her nose. And uh, our house was on fire. Our living room was on fire at Christmas morning and our smoke detectors did not work. The batteries had gone dead and we just got very, very lucky that it irritated her nose and she woke up and we were able to get out of the house. So that was started by a candle. So very, very uh, personal for me. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's not an uncommon story, especially that the part of the story where, without having those uh, smoke detectors working, you know, having a smoke detector, you know, available is, is critical to catch that fire small. And then the follow-up piece to that is, as we start to talk about home heating stuff, is having a carbon monoxide detector as well. We just crossed the time change and, and really hit home on the carbon monoxide detectors and 
really the importance of having those available in your home. Now, what does the time change have to do with it? Well, with the time change, we usually encourage people to you know change your clocks, change your batteries. So okay. Most of those devices, the carbon monoxide detectors and, and the smoke detectors have a battery backup in them, or some of them are standalone battery operated. And changing those batteries is critical to the operation of those devices. Sure. So it's just a good reminder to do it those two times a year when that comes about. It is a great time to do it. So it's a, you know, you're, you're already making a change, you're changing your clock. So get up there and test your smoke detectors and test your carbon monoxide detectors and change the batteries at that same time. Well, let's talk about cooking. So how, how does cooking, holiday cooking contribute to fires in our homes? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a bunch of different things. I mean, obviously as we approach Thanksgiving here, um, everybody likes a great cooked turkey, right? And one of the great ways to cook it is deep frying it. So the problem though with deep frying is, is it's a combustible liquid. As you, as you boil up that liquid, it starts to off gas and there is certainly safety issues with turkey fryers. So the big thing with turkey fryers is first and foremost is pick where you're doing it. Don't do it in your house. Don't do it on your wooden combustible deck. Keep it away from trees and other structures that may catch fire if you do have a fire. And that's the first thing to do is really looking at where you're putting it. Next thing with turkey fryers, at least, is is making sure that turkey is thawed and dry before cooking. So as uh, you know, some of your listeners might know, throwing water on a, on a grease fire is not a great idea. It really <laughs> right. causes that fire to intensify and flare up. Mm-hmm. And turkey fryers are no different. And if you think about a frozen block of ice and throwing it into a boiling vat of oil, it's not a good thing. So making sure that turkey is thawed and dry and not allowing that water or ice buildup to mix with that hot oil. Okay. So those are certainly some, some key things. Keeping the temperature of that oil controlled and making sure it's not too hot is another thing that we certainly recommend that looking at what those temperatures are. So the hotter the oil, the the easier to get a fire going. Is that is that the correlation there? Yeah, I mean, so oils are, or all liquids for that matter, as you continue to increase them um, or increase the temperature in them, they vaporize and they create a fuel and things like that. So the hotter the oil, the easier it is to ignite and you don't need it that hot to cook with. So keeping it in those right temperature ranges is certainly important and making sure that it's not too hot where it would potentially be easier to ignite. Mm -hmm. Let's take a quick break and when we come back, we've got even more on holiday fire prevention. Say you were to ride off into the sunset. Ideally, what kind of boots and clothes would you be wearing? For horseback riders of all styles, nothing beats the look and performance of Ariat. Available at D&B Supply. Everyone from famous rodeo cowboys to country music legends to equestrian Olympians turn to Ariat with confidence. You can count on them too. Think of Ariat as your ultimate riding companion for the life and times in the West. When you need to better outfit your ride with Ariat, stop on by your favorite D&B Supply. Another cold winter will make keeping water from freezing a tough task. Don't leave your livestock iced out. Pick up a Farm Innovator Stock Tank De-Icer from D&B Supply. Farm Innovator Stock Tank De-Icers are designed to keep your animals' water from freezing and only come on when they need to. Find the right one for your tank with a variety of types and sizes in stock at D&B Supply. Break winter's icy grip with Stock Tank De-Icers from Farm Innovators. Available at your favorite D&B Supply. 
I've seen uh, online and on the news over the past few years, and I'm sure we'll see him again this year. There's always some really impressive videos of somebody probably like yourself uh, with a fire department in the proper safety gear demonstrating how that can happen and, and dropping a turkey and the oil coming out over the, the top of the pot and then catching fire on the flame below. And, it, and that fire, when it goes, it, it really goes fast and big. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we have one on our website that we did here locally. So, you know, you can go to boisefire.org and, and view the prevention pages and see exactly what you're talking about there. But yeah, it's, it's a real concern. You know, if the pot's overfilled, if the oil's too hot, that cooking oil certainly can ignite. While the turkey tastes great, um, <laughs> really, it, it's, it's the old Boy Scout model, right? Be prepared. Right. Um, and really being prepared you know, um, for these kinds of fires being prepped and knowing what can happen and not taking it for granted. Um, I mean, the same thing can go through. We talk about turkey fire safety, but as we approach the holiday season, I think we're all a little distracted. We're all running around and uh, celebrating the season with family and friends and making sure to pay attention to even just cooking pots on the stove or cooking in the oven. We, we run into a lot of those fires too, and a lot of them are just distracted fire. So paying attention to the cooking, making sure your pot handles are turned in, not leaving that food unattended, using timers when you need to for, for cooking and stuff like that, because it's not just turkey fryer. We, we deal with a lot of oven fires and, you know, pots on the stove and uh, this time of the year. And I think we're all just celebrating a little bit more and a big part of our celebrations is food, right? Right. So just paying attention to that when we're cooking. Well, I'll tell you what, we've got to take a few commercials through our interview. So let's take our first one right now. And when we come back, I want to ask you a little bit more about those fires that start in the kitchen. Sounds great, Matt. Thanks. D&B knows that life in the West is defined by hard work, innovation, and constant improvement. These values made the West what it is today, and these are the values that have made Wrangler the defining Western brand since 1947. Wrangler Apparel is designed to feel good in the saddle, look sharp at the rodeo, and work hard on the ranch. That's why Wrangler fits with classic Western heritage like a boot in a stirrup. For clothing that's a good value and steeped in Western values, stock up on Wrangler at your favorite D&B supply out west our tough winters aren't for the light of heart or the light of foot reboot your winter boots and bound confidently into the cold with a pair of sorel boots from dnb supply sorel boots were born in canada to tackle the toughest winters with hefty construction premium leather and superior wool for maximum warmth anyone who owns a pair can tell you that they'll turn even the nastiest blizzard into a breeze for your feet Kick the cold with Sorel Boots, available now at your favorite D&B Supply. Well, Chief, you had just brought up the other fires that can start while cooking, but those that are taking place in the kitchen, you know, in the oven, on the stovetop and things like that. I thought I had read somewhere that when it comes to decorations, a large percentage of fires that start with Christmas decorations or Thanksgiving decorations actually start in the kitchen because they're placed in too close a proximity to, to heating services or cooking services. Have you had that experience as well? You know, to be honest, I've had a lot more of the problems with them being overloaded electrical stuff. Okay. You know, there is some issues where we do run into placing combustibles too close to the cooking surfaces and things like that. You know, we have even had some fires here where, you know, we've had them even at Halloween where they've had small candles in bags and things like that, where they've kind of used them as decorations or getting back to those candles, right? Um, Using candles too close to combustibles. So I, I think that's probably more where we've seen it is, is if you're using 
like open flame devices, a candle, certainly, you know, kitchen stoves and things like that do do cause or can, can ignite uh, combustible decorations if they're too close. But I would say candles are more likely in that. And then the other thing that we see with, you know, decorations is holiday lights, right? Overloading electrical circuits and things like that. So just being mindful of using, you know, the correct amount of lights. Uh, we've certainly seen a little bit of a decrease with that with our new LED fixtures and things like that as they draw less current. But certainly holiday lights, um, all that kind of stuff is a concern. Candles, keeping them away from, uh, you know, decorations. Over the years, I've, I've seen a bunch of fires caused from, you know, lighting lighting overloads or short circuits, electrical, electrical malfunctions. Okay. So when it comes from an overload from, you know, Clark Griswold just putting up all those lights and running all that current, how does that fire begin? It's a couple different things. It can be. So uh, oftentimes, though, there's just too much current, too much power getting pulled through those small electrical cords. So if you think about the wires that might run between your, you know, different devices like that, it's pulling too much through and it's not a big enough cord. So you think about the cord that you might run your outdoor leaf blower with versus the cord you might run in your house running a lamp or something like that. They're just different sizes. They're different. they, They can handle different amounts of current. And when you pull too much through or run too much through, it can kind of cause heating. And then those can break down and and cause the fires. So is it it's not sparks from some sort of electrical breakdown? It's it's the heat as the as the smaller wires heat up or Yeah, usually it's not sparks. Okay. Um usually you don't have a, a sparking type of thing. Usually it's it's too much power pulling through the wiring or through the currents and then causing those to, to overheat and, and cause the fires. So I've always wondered about that. I can remember when I was a kid on our Christmas lights for the Christmas tree, they had those big bulbs and they got really warm, it seemed like. And I always worried about just the heat from the bulb sparking off a pine needle or something in the pine tree. But now with the LED bulbs, you don't seem to have that heat, but you're saying it's actually the current they're drawing through. They don't need as much. They don't. Yeah, the LED light bulbs, well, obviously, they do They do operate much cooler, too, right? Yeah. Yeah, they do draw a lot less current. I mean, the you know, the LED light bulb that I have in my house is an 8-watt versus the old 60-watt that I used to have for an incandescent, right? Yeah. Um, so, it's just drawing a lot less power through. The heat is, is certainly an issue as well, but it, it's less, you know, usually the bulbs don't get hot enough to ignite stuff unless potentially it's super dry or something like that. But, you know, keeping the trees watered is still a great idea just from the standpoint of a dry pine tree certainly when it burns it's a pretty spectacular show but uh, you know if you can keep your tree moist and keep it keep it uh, full of water the concerns over them igniting and burning is much less got it got it and then every now and then uh, somebody unfortunately gets a tree that just seems to dry out quicker than you're used to and and maybe even before you get to christmas day you've got a tree that seems to be drying up. So if somebody's running into that situation and they're going, oh, my tree's getting dry and they're pouring the water to it, but they just can't keep it moist, what what should they be doing just to make sure they're extra careful? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing they can do is, is if they're getting to that point where it's not taking moisture and they're not able to keep it is is really look at removing it from the home. That's probably the best thing that they can do because, you know, if it's not staying moist, if the needles are falling off, if they're not, you know, staying green, it's drying out and it's continuing to dry out. So removing it from the home would certainly be the first thing that, that we'd recommend in, you know, not keeping it in the house any longer than you have to. If that's not a possibility for some reason, I, I can't think of too 
too many why it wouldn't be. I, I certainly guess would be extra cautious with, you know, any sort of combustible materials around the tree or any sort of ignition sources around the tree, you know, making sure those candles really are far away, <laughs> making sure um, maybe not turning on the lights. Maybe the lights are helping dry it out if, if they are the older lights that are heating up. I'm looking at where your uh, vents are. So sometimes uh, if you have a vent, really close to a tree that's always blowing out that warmer air. Uh-huh. Those convective currents can also cool um, or dry out, if you will, that fir tree or that Christmas tree. Okay. Well, people like decorating Christmas trees. If you have to do it twice in a season, it's just kind of double the fun, maybe. Absolutely. I think that's a great <laughs> idea. Yeah. Or, or maybe maybe you can put it outside, right? And. <laughs> All your neighbors can enjoy the tree as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's take another break. When we come back, I want to ask you about carbon monoxide and, and does that become more frequent this time of year? So hold on for a sec. We'll come back and cover that, okay? Sounds great. A well-worn pair of Danner boots has become a hallmark for hardworking and hard-playing people in the West and everywhere else for that matter. Find your next pair of long-lasting, great-looking, made-in-the-USA Danner boots at D&B Supply. Hold a Danner boot in your hand and you'll notice the handcrafted precision. Try it on and you'll feel the difference. Test it against the elements and you'll appreciate the value of a product that's built to last. From classic hiking boots to handcrafted work boots to fashion-forward looks to fit your daily life, stop on by D&B Supply to try Danner boots on for size. Even if your trusty steed is turning old and gray, she's still got a lot of life left in her. So take care of her changing nutritional needs with the right food, like Cargill Neutrina Safe Choice Senior from D&B Supply. Safe Choice Senior is a high-fat, low-starch blend with organic minerals and pre- and probiotics that increase fiber digestion, maintain energy, and improve skin, hair, and hoof quality. Feed your trusty steed what she needs with Cargill Neutrina Safe Choice Senior. Available now at your favorite D&B Supply. All right, Chief. Well, thank you again for coming on and for spreading this message. You know, safety, it's such a great time of year, but we definitely don't want anything to happen that ruins anybody's holiday, especially for something that's preventable. So I wanted to ask you about carbon monoxide. You know, this is a well, I don't even want to try and talk like I know what I'm talking about. I've got you on the phone and, and you're an expert, but is carbon monoxide poisoning, is that an issue that you see spike or increase at this time of year? Yeah, I, I think we do see it uh, start to spike or increase this time of the year. You know, and it, it relates back probably to a couple of things. Uh, you know, the first thing is, is it's getting colder. So what are we doing? We're closing up our houses a little bit more. We're not we're not letting that fresh air in. And then we're heating. We're doing a lot more heating. And as you know, carbon monoxide's a colorless, odorless grass that's a byproduct of incomplete combustion. So any sort of fuel fired appliance or device that burns and if it doesn't burn completely, one of the byproducts that it produces is carbon monoxide. So as we continue to see more different uh devices this time of the year, especially, you know, whether it be a kerosene heater or anything like that, those all produce carbon monoxide. So we do certainly see more carbon monoxide issues this time of the year because the houses are getting closed up and then because of the sources of combustion. Now, you know, a lot of people, well, I don't know how many people, but I know there are people that they have wood burning capabilities in their homes, but they don't use it very often. But then you get in the holiday season and for ambiance and atmosphere and all of that, they might want to have a fire in the fireplace or maybe that's the only time of year they really do it. If, if they're only doing if they're doing that infrequently and they're not used to burning and they they don't have really good seasoned wood or something like that, is there a risk from carbon monoxide poisoning when they have that fire for atmosphere? 
Yeah, I mean, I think there certainly is a risk. I mean, to be perfectly honest, my bigger concern when they do something like that is their chimneys. Okay. Um, so that's the other thing that we start to run into this time of the year is is chimney fires. So with all those fireplaces and things like that, especially the ones that get used once or twice a year, that creosote, and basically it's, it's the, once again, the byproducts of combustion can build up on that chimney liner, and then you stoke up that fire and, and kick it up, and then you can create a fire in your chimney uh, if you don't clean it pretty easily. I mean, even growing up myself, uh, I lit my chimney on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was after the holiday season, we were burning some of the wrapping paper, which probably wasn't a great idea, and we hadn't cleaned the chimney recently and, and lit the chimney on fire. Um, luckily, it didn't spread into our home, but it was certainly a, a good life lesson to realize that, hey, if you're if you're burning wood, even if it's occasionally, really getting that chimney cleaned and inspected, depending upon how much you burn, once, two, three times a year, we started cleaning ours monthly because we burned so much. Okay. Um, but that that's my bigger concern when we start to deal with, you know, those fireplaces is the chimney fires than carbon monoxide. But carbon monoxide is still a potential concern. Concern, um, if, if the venting isn't correct and things like that, but uh, it's less of a concern than a chimney fire. But carbon monoxide certainly is a concern with any sort of, you know, any sort of incomplete combustion, whether it be your gas stove or, you know, a, a gas furnace. Mm-hmm. Um, it, like I say, being colorless and odorless the saving thing that you can have is that carbon monoxide detector. That detector is going to sense the, the levels of carbon monoxide in the air and then let you let you know and let your family get out safely. But without that, it's colorless and odorless. You don't really know it's there. It's, it's not like smoke from a fire that you can see in your house. How many carbon monoxide detectors do you advise having in your home and, and where should they be placed? Yeah, at a bare minimum, uh, recommend at least one outside every sleeping area. That's what I have in my house. So in my house, I have three different ones because we've got kind of some of the sleeping rooms are kind of separated on the first floor and on the second floor. So certainly having carbon monoxide detectors, uh, you know, outside the sleeping areas is probably the best. And then generally at least one per level. And I guess the other pertinent thing there that I know a lot of people ask about is the locations of those detectors. Uh-huh. So some people say, well, should I put it on the ceiling? Should I put it on the floor? Should I put it, where should I put it? Well, the great thing about carbon monoxide, if there is any great things, is, is that it's relatively the same uh, weight as air. So it mixes with air. So whether you have the carbon monoxide detector that's part of a combo unit up on your smoke detector, that's perfectly fine. It'll detect the carbon monoxide up on the ceiling. Or if you have the carbon monoxide detector that you plug in down to the outlet down two or three feet off the floor, that detector will also detect carbon monoxide down there. So it's relatively mixes with air. So the location of the carbon monoxide detectors is not as important as the smoke detectors where you really want it up on the ceiling, you know, away from the corners, things like that when you're dealing with a smoke detector, certain locations that you want it with the carbon monoxide detector where, whether it's high or low, is a little bit less important. But certainly outside those sleeping areas, one per each level of the home is is what we recommend for locations. And you had mentioned some of those auxiliary heaters, like a kerosene heater. And a lot of those, when you see them in the store, they say they're rated for indoor use. But when they say that, are they still producing that incomplete burn where there could be that, that issue with carbon monoxide? Yeah, I mean, certainly that's true. They can produce, uh, you know, carbon monoxide um, in the home and probably do. You know, we certainly don't recommend using kerosene heaters or propane heaters or things like that inside an occupied structure. They're just really not 
not a, a great use because they will produce those things if you don't have adequate ventilation. Okay. So there is some devices that are, are kind of better, but even with those, some of those have real specific, um, you need to use this kind of fuel or you need to use this kind of gas. So there's different gases, if you will, that produce less or will produce less carbon monoxide, like an isobutane or something like that versus a propane. So those might be the little, little burners that you see at a hibachi grill or something like that. They use a slightly different fuel than just the traditional propane. Okay. And if somebody is starting to experience carbon monoxide poisoning, either they don't have a detector, it's not working, or whatever the situation may be, are there any symptoms that they could identify before it's too late? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, oftentimes, uh, you know, the best way to describe it is is almost common flu-like symptoms. So that's the unfortunate is they match a lot of the flu-like symptoms. So fatigue, dizziness, nausea, those those are some headaches. So general malaise, general generally feeling sick. So all those kind of things are are certainly uh, initial symptoms that you might see with carbon monoxide poisoning. Um, when you start to get late into carbon monoxide poisoning, you might see cherry red skin and things like that, mm-hmm. um, or reddish skin. But usually by that point in time, you're pretty far along. So um, once again, we really the best thing to do is have those those detectors because as the elevation or as the levels of carbon monoxide elevate, not only in the structure but in your blood, you become less and less uh, able to respond or you start to act kind of incoherent. So you don't have the same thinking processes with higher level of carbon monoxide in your body. Well, let's take another commercial break, Chief. And when we come back, I want to talk about uh, just wrap it up in terms of what other safety equipment we should have and and, uh, talk about some resources. Sounds great. When you think about pet food, what comes to mind isn't normally something deserving of your best friend. But at D&B, you'll find a line of pet food that's so real, you can serve it on a plate. Earthborn Holistic Pet Food. Earthborn Holistics cater to your pet's primal needs, blending a variety of nature's finest proteins with other whole food ingredients for a kibble they'll love to nibble and will keep them healthy and happy, too. Earthborn Holistic Dog and Cat Food, available at your favorite D&B supply. Bogged down in a muddy, messy fall? Keep your feet protected and dry with a new pair of Boggs waterproof boots from D&B Supply. Boggs boots are made for mucking around. Now made with seamless construction, Boggs are lighter weight and more durable than ever before. With a variety of insulated and non-insulated styles to choose from, you'll find the right boot for any weather, every job, and everyone in your family. Keep your feet warm and dry this fall with Boggs boots. Available now at your favorite D&B Supply. Everybody, welcome back to the DNB Supply Show. We're speaking with Deputy Chief Fire Marshal Romeo Gervais from the Boise City Fire Department, all about fire safety and everything that goes with it at the holiday season. And Chief Gervais, I wanted to, to follow up what we were talking about before by asking you about safety equipment. So we've talked already about carbon monoxide detectors and we've talked about smoke detectors. What else should people have on hand in their homes, I guess for year round, but especially here at the holiday season? Yeah, I, I mean, uh, really, I, I would say there's, you know, there's probably a big three. The smoke detectors certainly are, are very important to have, you know, in and around your sleeping areas on each level of the homes. Carbon monoxide detectors outside the sleeping areas, at least one per every level of the home. And then the next, uh, the next kind of that triangle, if you will, or that tripod is, is having a fire extinguisher available. You know, I have a couple in my home, just a traditional ABC dry chemical fire extinguisher that you can purchase at most of the home stores is, is a great thing to have. You know, we do kind of recommend at least a five pound extinguisher. 
You can get some of the smaller ones, the two and a half pounders, things like that. I've got a 10 pounder in my garage. But the, you know, the bigger the extinguisher, um, not always the better, but the bigger the extinguisher, the more it will put out. It'll give you a little bit more uh, ability to extinguish fires. And the real thing with the fire extinguishers, um, you know, I would say is if the fire is too big, or you feel it's too big to put out, get out of the home and call us and we'll come do it. But if it's a small little fire, you know, a small pot on the stove, things like that, that you might be able to extinguish, go ahead and do that or try to do that at least. So those would be the big three. When you start to look at other things, I think, you know, it's not even so much having things, it's practicing. You know, if you've got children in the home, uh, having that home fire escape plan, practicing that home fire escape plan, Mm -hmm. knowing your meeting places, all those things preparing for you know, something you never want to happen, but all too often does happen. So having the ability to get out of the home quickly and safely, knowing where to meet your family members um, are really important things. The other thing that we, uh, you know, sometimes see in a, in a two-story home is some of the, the window escape ladders. Uh-huh. being able to get out from that second floor. So sometimes having a, an escape ladder in, in your closet or things like that that you can throw out the window, climb out and, and escape from the second floor of the home if, if your first floor path is cut off by fire or smoke. So those would, those would be the things that I think are, are critical. Certainly smoke detectors, carbon monoxide detectors, fire extinguishers are probably can't be without, um, depending upon your home, that, that escape ladder from the second floor are all good things to have. Well, let's talk about resources really quick. So what resources are out there for people who want to know more, who are listening to this and saying, you know, I want to really take care of this this season and make sure that we're as well prepared as we can be? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, your local fire department. And, you know, all your local fire departments have staff on hand that'd be happy to talk with you, happy to look at your particular situation, make recommendations. Some fire departments have smoke detector or carbon monoxide giveaway programs where they'll come out and install a carbon monoxide or smoke detector for you. So so that would be the first thing I'd say is reach out to your local your local agency. They know best about your particular area, your particular home, and reach out to them and, and touch base with them. Phone, email, Facebook pages, things like that. Beyond that, if you have access to the internet or the web, NFPA, National Fire Protection Association, has some great resources on their websites on all different types of seasonal fires and candle fire safety and cooking safety and heating safety. Um, It's kind of a one-stop shop, if you will. You can go into their public education pages, click on any of those links, um, and it'll give you a bunch of different stuff. So that's a great place to kind of be a one-stop shop. And then from there, you can go to, you know, different places. Um, State Farm has some great turkey fryer videos and some resources on turkey fryer stuff. They've done, they've done some of those videos that we've talked about before. So I really enjoy watching some of the State Farm things. They bring home a really strong safety message, but do it having a little bit of fun as well. And I, I have a follow-up question for you on fire extinguishers, and I'm sorry I didn't think about it before, but when it comes to fire extinguishers, over time, they're, they expire, right? That they're no longer, they, they don't hold the charge? Yeah. So, I mean, generally fire extinguishers uh, should be serviced or maintained uh, about once a year. And then every six years, they actually get a little bit more of a service and a little bit more maintenance that has to be done to them. So the key thing, though, for home fire extinguishers is there's always a little dial on, on your fire extinguisher that shows whether it's in the green or whether it's in the red. And that's showing you the pressure that's stored in that fire extinguisher. Uh-huh. So certainly if it's not in the green, it's not any, it's not good anymore. Um, if it's still in the green, it's 
probably still good, but sometimes what can happen with those fire extinguishers is the, the chemical that's in there, that chemical powder can become compressed in there. So that's really where that maintenance comes into play, where you know every six years or so, they're gonna open up that fire extinguisher, stir that chemical around, make sure it's not uh, you know all compacted and stuck in there and won't come out when you need it the most. Uh, but I have one that I can do that with. A lot of the, the home fire extinguishers that you might buy at, at a local hardware store or store like that, they're a little bit more disposable. So a lot of times they don't have the capabilities. They've got a plastic collar on them. Uh-huh. Um, they don't have the capabilities of being serviced. So generally what you see with those is, you know, the fire extinguishers are disposed about every five or six years and you buy a new one. Just make sure that those are disposed safely and because they are a hazardous uh, cylinder if you will, because they're under pressure. So you don't want to just throw them out in your trash can. You want to make sure to take them to a, uh, one of the hazardous waste or hazardous uh, disposal days that your community might have. Well, I really appreciate it. Really appreciate what you and, and all of our firefighters and our communities do. But thank you so much for coming on and sharing this with us today and helping us all be a little bit safer during the holiday season. Yeah, great. Thanks, Matt. I really appreciate the opportunity to, to come on and, and share some things with the community. And uh, hopefully we, we can make a difference and uh, maybe prevent some fires this season. Thank you all for joining us today, and here is to you and your pursuit of the country lifestyle, however you define it. For the DNB Show, I'm Matt Breckwald.